1980s, photographer Liam Blake took a photograph of a smiling red-headed woman. Perched on top of her head was her large pet seagull named Maureen. The photograph would become an iconic Real Ireland postcard which would be sent by visitors to addresses all around the world. The woman in the photo became known as the Bird Lady of Bray, but to thousands of locals, she was also known as Auntie Ethel. Ethel's voice also became familiar to the people of Wicklow through her many impromptu appearances on the breakfast shows on East Coast FM. Previous attempts to get Ethel to open up came to nothing. However, when Ethel's brother died in 1999, her only sister Maura returned to visit Bray, the first time since leaving for America in 1953. Producer Pat Hannan managed to sit them down together during that visit to record their family history and to get the true story about Auntie Ethel, the Bird Lady of Bray. This is The Bird Lady of Bray, the true story of Auntie Ethel and her sister Maura. I'm standing outside the archery here. Do, do you know who that is? That's Uncle O'Neill. Auntie Ethel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're doing oh, a little programme about her on East yeah. Coast. And, yeah. Uh, she was from around here. But she was originally, as you know, from, the, I think it was number six, Fontenay Terrace. Yeah. But now Ethel then lived up here. Like if people were queuing for the buses, like she'd come over and I like can give them teas and coffees and she'd bring them in at Christmas time and give them a drink or something <laughs> like that if they happened to be waiting for a bus. Well, I'm Moira Byrne. I've been involved doing radio for a long time. I go back here in the town of Bray for a long, long time, back to the 80s, remembering things like Hurricane Charlie very well. Okay, so could I ask you more to, to hold that in your hand and describe uh, what's in that picture? Ethel. This is from the John Hind postcard, the famous one, which I believe was one of their big sellers when tourists were here in Ireland. It's Ethel, Auntie Ethel, and she's got the seagull up on the top of her head. Now, Ethel at the time was a lot younger than I even remember her. I presume this was probably taken probably in the 80s. Ethel's got lovely auburn hair and a big smile and the roundy earrings that she always wore and her cardigan and she's got the seagull sitting right smack in the top of her head looking very nonchalant altogether he is but that was Ethel I mean I think that image of Ethel is one not just that everybody knew from the postcards but it's probably the image that we saw of Ethel with the big smile on her face uh, this is Pat Hanahan. We're in the East Coast Radio Studios and I'm with two sisters, Maura and Ethel. Who's the youngest and who's the oldest? Ethel is the oldest. Ethel, Ethel is one year and seven months older than I am. But you see, Maura's older than, than me, you know what I mean? No, no, no. You're a year and seven months older than I am. Did you hear that? I was born 1931, November 12, 1931. And you were born the 23rd of April, 1929. Are you sure it's not 30? I don't know where it is. I'll bet you. I'll bet you. I'm right. You're wrong. Daddy had the biggest funeral in, in County Clare, hadn't he? The biggest funeral for uh, miles. Yeah, well, uh, I have,
I think the, the caption said, Claire's brave son dies. It says, death of a great soldier. Death yeah. of Compton Ignatius O'Neill. Yeah, well, I knew my daddy was a great soldier. Ethel's movements were unusual, just to say the least. I mean, Ethel, I'm not sure when she slept or when she was awake. But long before she would have come to the radio station at six or half six in the morning, she would have been down on the seafront and would have been, you know, kind of moving around the town kind of in, in very, the very, very early hours. Yeah, she used to sweep the seafront. Well, and yeah, and I think like the, the bags of rubbish would still be attached <laughs> to the, the bike parked outside the door. My name is Sean Ashmore. I was the breakfast show presenter and station manager at East Coast FM during the 90s and up to uh, the early noughties, up to around 2004. So the, the radio station at the time was based on Prince of Wales Terrace, just kind of just up from Bray Dart Station. So we were kind of, uh, I think, on Ethel's route from the main street to the seafront. She came into the radio station kind of unnoticed and would start hanging around and might drop in something and then disappear again. But then we noticed over a period of time that the stays became longer and longer and then she started kind of doing things around the radio station, which, to be honest, like people had no problem with, people found it quite useful. So Ethel, as an unpaid member of the team, would be coming in early in the morning and going around the studios or the offices, emptying bins, washing cups, making people tea. And you can see how very quickly somebody would say, well, we've no problem with that. He's really good looking, wasn't he, me daddy? He had auburn hair. Red hair. <laughs> so you get your red hair from that? No, 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 that's over the battle. <laughs> so can I ask you, uh, um, ladies, about, uh, yeah. you, you lived in Bray. Where, whereabouts did you live in Bray when you were in Bray? Spring Mount first on the Spring Mount, Road. Spring Mount till Daddy died. And yes. then we'll Went over the three regiments <clears throat> terrace just terrace, across the road. And from there down to the Strand Road. Fontenoy Terrace. Fontenoy Terrace, number six. We went from Athlone. To the Curra, uh, because Daddy was uh, an army man, yes. an army man, Ignatius O'Neill. And we went to Kent House on the Curra. The big house. And Kent House... Um, How many bedrooms had it in? Fifteen uh, that bedrooms. That was a huge, a huge house. Yes. Uh, a great house. A beautiful no big house. Yeah. Yes. There were chickens and um, hens. And, we had a um, pony. A pony. Yes. A red setter. Yes. And wide open spaces. We even had rabbits and everything. Rabbits. <laughs> rabbits. I got chased by the goat. Yes. <laughs> I can remember that yes. so well. And I will run like hell into the house and the, the, the goat after me. <laughs> Daddy, he had a good education himself. There was three names. Yes. Ignatius, Alphonsus and Alexander. Yes. They called Ignatius, Ignatius. Yes. They yes. called Alphonsus, they called him Bobby. Yes. And Alexander, they called him Lex. Lex, Lexi O'Neill. But they all went to Black Rock College. Now, after he graduated from Black Rock College, where did he think he went? Now, what will you tell me? Go on. He went to the United States. He went to yes. New York. <laughs> he went he to New York. That. Yeah. I didn't know that. Himself and two other guys uh, went to... New York, and they crossed over into Canada, 
and they there decided to go to war. Oh my God. So they were sent back to France. And one was killed, my father was injured, and the third came out without a scratch. During that time, Daddy thought to himself, well now the Brits are giving the Irish a bad time, I need to go home and take care of that. So he came back and fought for his country. Hi Pat, Don Swift here outside Prince of Wales Terrace, East Coast FM. Of course now it's, it's not a radio station anymore. No, I'm looking at the building here, it's uh, Neville Murphy uh, solicitors and to think probably very sombre uh, work goes on in, in there now. This was full of life, I mean there was all sorts of people coming in and out. You know, two people are, I associate with, with standing here is Ethel and Gareth Brooks, would you believe? Gareth Brooks uh, came in here and did his interview and we came out and there was a, a single decker bus outside and people said, ah Gareth, will you give us a song? And fair used him, like something Auntie Ethel would do. He grabbed his guitar, got up on top of the bus and sang to a crowd of, of about uh, 500. And that was the same spontaneity uh, that Ethel brought to the station. I mean, so much so that I used to sometimes put Ethel on air. And then, of course, the radio station back then was sort of less structured and more mavericks and more different people on a different shades. Well, As a change... Uh, you're right. I mean, you know, you must remember back in those days, we had pirate radio stations and they were very maverick, you know. It was. It was raw. It was, it was I suppose you could call it uh, amateur. But at the same time, it had a certain rawness that people tuned into. And Ethel was part of that. Ethel was the original uh, Mrs. Doyle. You know, to give anybody listening to, to, to get a sense of the character that was there. She was like a Mrs. Doyle, you know, to, to, to everybody. Always there with the kettle on and the cup of tea. But we were always very impressed that she was, uh, you know, the subject of a, of a postcard and a well-known postcard. And she'd be very proud of the fact that she was known as the bird lady. I was heading away on holidays one time. She said, send me a postcard. And I said, oh, yeah, I'll send you a postcard. So just send it to the bird lady, Bray. It'll get to me. So uh, really as an experiment to see if it would work, you know, posting a postcard from Spain or wherever it was, it was like, you know, to Ethel, the bird lady, Bray, Ireland. And sure enough, I arrived back from holiday, she comes in waving it. Ethel became this kind of unofficial, unplanned, regular feature on, on The Breakfast Show. And, and like it was, it was, again, early in the morning, kind of maybe half seven, quarter to eight in the morning, where she'd appear in and like nothing was ever planned because Ethel wasn't really the kind of character that you could talk to and say, here's what we're going to do today. The real uh, kind of attraction of it was, well, you never know what she might say or what she might come out with and how random it might be or even risque it might be uh, at that hour of the morning. And of course, no sense of, of timing or the fact that really she should get in here a bit and get out. I think most people who were listening didn't realise it was a real person. They, they assumed it was like, oh, well, that's somebody in the crew who's kind of putting on a voice or pretending to be a particular kind of character. And yet there she was, the bird lady from Bray, appearing on air every morning, Certainly something very unique, that's for sure. My father was born in Milltown, Malbay, and my mother was born in Craig. In the Hinch. And they were both then married in 1922, and that was in Milltown, Malbay. 
And um, unfortunately, of course, that period of time, you know, the 1916 rebellion and the trouble in Ireland, it was a, it was a tough time for them. But uh, obviously, um, they were in love and they got married yes. in 1922 and um, got a great send off from uh, the people of Milltown Malbay. He got a magnificent piano. From the parishioners of Milltown Malbay on the occasion of his marriage, 1922. It's a beautiful piano. He's in the history books. Daddy in 1920, there was a thousand pounds for his capture. Yeah. Dead or alive. Dead or alive. (laughs) But he eluded them all. He eluded them all. Uh, He had quite a few friends there. Dr. Hillary was one, I know that. Michael Collins, uh, Arthur Griffin. Well, those were some of his buddies. Michal Brennan, Arthur Griffiths, Sean McKeown. Um, he's in the history books. He's in the history books. You need to hear about my mother's side of the family too, because they were Lee Hands. Yes. And my mother lost two brothers during that horrible time. Mm. One was uh, in in a house after an ambush and they set the house on fire. So that's the way he went. And the other one was killed in Clorglan. And my grandfather was, uh, they asked him where his sons were at one point and he told them where to go very politely, not too politely, and they shot him in the head. And my mother then was standing there and they set the house on fire. So, um, what a lousy history, you know? But if this is, this is, this is a fact, you see. Those people suffered a great deal during that time. You're listening to a special documentary about the Bird Lady of Bray, the true story of Auntie Ethel and her sister Mora. How did you get to the States? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I worked for Irish Sweepstakes from 48 to 59 and... I'd had enough of Irish sweepstakes at that point. I had 3,000 temporaries and 3,000 permanent. In other words, 3,000 permanent and the temporaries came in, which were also 3,000. And there was a lot of women there. When you get a lot of women together, uh, God bless us. No. So anyway, um, there were some people there that just kind of stepped on my toes and I uh, decided to get up and get out of there and there was either an ad or I heard about domestics going to the United States and I thought that's a way of getting there so I left and um, went to Beverly Hills or whatever put in my year there and went from that and um, the domestic situation, yeah. There was a lot, of, a lot of Irish girls that went there as domestics in uh, 1959. Not, yeah, 59, yeah. 
Some of them did okay and some of them didn't do okay. We had a few drinkers back in those days too. What were you like good. at school then, Ethel? What were you Not like? Not as a hacker. I had this. No, she obviously she obviously didn't. Well, I, I kind of feel the parents have a responsibility to make sure that their kids are doing their homework. And I think my mother was, uh, well, like I say, she died along with my father because the fact is she buried her mother and, 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 and her fa my father the same year and I think she kind of died along with a pair of them. I think she'd had so much grief in her life yes. that she retreated. She wasn't an outgoing person. She was a very quiet woman. Although I did it, I got a few tongue lashings, you know. <laughs> Hello, my name is Freddie. I was known as Uncle Bob. I used to do a children's programme on BLB Radio, which is Bray Local Broadcasting, and then it became Horizon, and then it became all the East Coast Radio. But we were there from the very earliest times when it was actually illegal to be broadcasting. Our programme started at 9 o'clock, so we went on to 10 o'clock. Ethel heard about it and she used to park a bicycle down the end of the steps and she'd make tea. But I remember speaking to her one time. Now, we weren't speaking on the, on the microphone, but she was saying about these two seagulls, Charlie and Maureen, because she was a great Fianna Fáil supporter. And um, Charlie Hawhey was called after Charlie and Maureen was the wife. And she got a photograph on a postcard it was one of those postcards that were out years and years ago and you see her with the, with the, po the seagull on her head and um, I said to her, Ethel, so you after this now, so you'll be a, a very well-moneyed woman. And she said, I think she got £50 or something like that for it. But she was good, a good day's work anyway. She went up to the town hall one day and they were complaining about the seafront and the dirt of it and all like that. And... One of the councillors stood up and said, look, I can't understand why you're complaining about. Uh, there's two lads here and they, they sweep the seafront. And Ethel said, who are they? And Ethel supposed to stood up and said, you know what, she says, did you ever see his brush? He says, there's more hairs on me f than there is on his brush. <laughs> <laughs> that was true. <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> so they got a machine in after that. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I know Abba. Ah, that's yeah. Ethel O'Neill. That's yeah. Auntie Ethel that used to live down the seafront. Ah, oh, such a great woman. Yes. Yeah, everybody knew her. Everybody yeah. loved her. And she always looked after anyone that was down the seafront. The bus drivers, the dad drivers, and anyone that worked. She's a lovely woman. She's a great woman. She's a lovely woman. She always said hello to you. She was even on a postcard. That's that's the postcard. <laughs> oh, you, you see, a great woman. I have to say, she's a legend. legend. Everyone knew her and where, yeah. One of Bray's legends. Ah, she's a great woman. Ah, that's what's her name down there. It used to be on the radio. And Auntie Ethel. Auntie Ethel. Auntie, God bless her soul. Ah, she's lovely. And you know what? She fed the boards. She used to be, and she's the greatest person could ever walk this out. Yeah. She was lovely and nice to everyone. 
Ethel and I were as different as chalk and cheese. Oh, well, yes. Let me ask Ethel how, how different Ethel uh, Moore is to you. What's the difference? Well, Moore is, is she has the brains, you see. I'm, I'm as bad as a There's hatter. nothing wrong with your brains, oh kiddo. God, it's just mad. that you haven't, you, you haven't, you have to confess, you haven't used the brain God has given you. That's correct. That's right. I gave her a lecture this morning. Oh, she did. Oh, I, you I, want to hear What did you say to her? I gave her a lecture this morning. Uh... <laughs> She needs. She needs to. She needs to cool down. To think about this seriously, because uh, we don't want to be back uh, for another funeral. You need to stick around a few I more should, years. Yeah, but I think God's good. I, well, just saying God is good is, not, is not, not enough. You have to help yourself. God helps those who help themselves. You still have to. You still have to make some changes, and I'm talking about you. And you know yes. what? Yes. Ethel, what's what you talking about? <coughs> what you talking about? I think my throat is a little bit. No, come on. No, what, what's she talking about? She's talking about the old creator. Shh! Don't tell anyone. I am John O'Connell. I am uh, 84 years of age, and I retired when I was 75. And I'm now living in Bray. In fact, I've lived in Bray most of my life. I came here in 1974, and I stay here until I go out in the box. Bray was a richer place because of people like Ethel. She spread happiness and love and joy, and, you know, she was funny and she was a character. She'd say anything, anything. Ethel shook hands with everybody and uh, delayed the things accordingly, and she was certainly no hurry. And, uh, of course, he also was, uh, she used to do the collection, you know, uh, presumably you knew that. She, uh, she was past the baskets, and she brought in the baskets to the sacristy, and she went straight to the bottle of wine, and she lowered a few shots of it, didn't go back out again. But she was certainly a person that added to the quality of life in Bray, because she proved that the things that are important, really, are the ones that she was concerned about loyalty, friendship, fun, and all that kind of thing. Her values were, were different to an awful lot of people, but they're important ones that should never be lost sight of. If we had more of that, we'd be a happier country. I think there was probably two sections of people in the station that uh, that Ethel would know, and one would be far better than, than the other. So Ethel's um, kind of a daily routine, uh, which... I think effectively ran to about seven days a week, was that she would be in the radio station early in the morning. So as people were arriving in to, to present and produce the breakfast show or work on early morning news, as soon as the radio station was open, she'd be appearing with the bike and, you know, all, and all of the other, I suppose, uh, things that she'd, she'd carry with her. And if you worked in the radio station where you turned up at 6 or 7 a.m., you knew Ethel very well. Um, if you worked in the in the office or you had you know a more kind of normal working hours job, you were in at nine ish. You probably didn't know Ethel that well at all. Uh, Gareth Farrell, the head of news in East Coast FM. Gareth, uh, when did you first encounter Auntie Ethel? Nineteen ninety eight was when I first met Auntie Ethel, as we all knew her. I actually didn't know what her role was in the radio station. She used to come in at six in the morning, even before then. And she'd do a bit of a clean-up and she'd make toast for the DJs. And the famous thing was never to accept a cup of tea or a cup of coffee off her because she always added a drop of what she called holy water 
which was some sort of alcohol. But um, John Bruton, uh, as Taoiseach, came into the building for an interview. And there was a big long corridor leading down to where the studio was. And off that corridor was the toilets. And as he's making down his, his way down the corridor, he's greeting different people. And suddenly, out of this toilet door, lunged Auntie Ethel. And she grabbed a hold of his jacket for dear life and pulled him down and give, a gon- give us a gonker, give us a gonker, which was her uh, fond term of saying, give us a kiss. The poor man went into shock. Didn't know who the hell this mad woman was grabbing a hold of him. And it was explained to him who she was and then it was everything was fine. But there was another classic story where uh, there was a shop just up the road from East Coast called Hedgie's Veggies. And Ethel used to pass each morning. And the owner of the shop, he'd known her from around, and he said, Ethel, if you ever want to grab an apple or an orange, you know, go ahead. And all of a sudden, Ethel was r- arriving into East Coast with a big plastic bag full of fruit and going around giving every, do you want an apple, do you want an orange? And uh, and nobody thought anything of it. She, she had these sort of eccentric ways she'd bring in stuff. And eventually the owner of the shop came down and uh, he spoke with one of, the, one of the management and asked him, could he have a word with Ethel? That he'd said an apple, an orange, and she was cleaning them out. So anyway, it was politely said to Ethel and she stopped. I'm Rob Diggins. I'm the production manager for East Coast. But back in Ethel's time, I was just a young, inexperienced, work experienced guy who happened just to walk in and meet a character, is for sure, but someone who was larger than life. Having Ethel there, there was a kindness that was built into her that is missing, I think, in many people these days. She took that to a different level. And sometimes, People didn't actually appreciate that of her and maybe just dismissed that from her. But that was something you actually learned when you observed her. They were little things you picked up on and you knew there was a lot more to the person than you would immediately think of. This is The Bird Lady of Bray, the true story of Auntie Ethel and her sister Nora. I'm Honor Kelly. I worked in East Coast Radio for a very, very, very long time. I was producer to the Declamine morning show and I also did the soaps update. I loved my time here. I loved everybody in it and uh, they were the happiest years of my life, I have to say. Ethel didn't come up to the new premises here in the radio centre in Killarney Road but she was down in Prince of Wales Terrace. That's right. That's where I first met Ethel. Ethel was a character. Of course, she called everyone Honey Bunch. She could never remember anyone's name, so everyone was Honey Bunched. And she was ageless. I never knew what age she was because you couldn't define her age. She she went around on her, her bicycle and she, was, she went around on the bicycle like a 16-year-old. But sometimes she'd come in and she'd look maybe 60-year-old. You couldn't define Ethel's age. She was ageless. She didn't worry about the real world. The real world didn't matter. Her world was around Bray and her friends in Bray, her family in Bray, which was East Coast. Mm. And um, the children, when they'd pass by her her little cottage, uh, she would call them and give them sweets, give them apples. And um, she just, the children loved her. Everybody loved her. 
I remember one time when, when I was here in East Coast, um, I was going out to lunch and I, I forgot my spectacles. I, I had uh, reading glasses and I couldn't find them. So I, I, I had a, a lunch appointment and I said, oh, I'll go, I'll go without them. So I went to a coffee shop here in Quinsborough Road and Ethel knew where I was going. So I was sitting having a coffee, lunchtime, the coffee shop was packed and myself and my friend were there having a coffee and in comes Ethel shouting from the door, honey bunch, honey bunch, I found your eyes. <laughs> and of course everyone looked around to see what was this, What was her, where was our eyes? <laughs> so she came in with this pair, these pair of glasses and they were the nearest thing to goggles I've ever seen. They weren't my glasses, but I had to put them on because I wouldn't hurt her because she was so kind to follow me to give me my glasses she said now honey bunch you'll be able to see what you're eating (laughs) Ethel ran away from trouble more than I did (laughs) I stood my ground a little bit better Um, but having five brothers you know then when my daddy died they were put into Black Rock College The two oldest ones went to work, more or less. Paddy, Paddy went to um, serve his apprenticeship in the Curra, and uh, Ignatius went to the Baldonnel, to the Air, the Air Force. And Con and Donal went to St. Flannan's. Flannan's College. And they would commute back and forth for vacations. And that left you, me, and the Curra yeah. here in Bray. Ethel, I believe, uh, is, is, is brilliant despite the fact that she's telling us all that she's not uh, well-versed and the whole bit. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to put anything over on you. That's a smokescreen, isn't it, really, when she says I, that? I kind of think that's a mm. smokescreen, yeah. Well, Ethel, what did you think of when you went to school? What did you... Sure, I was mad as a hatter. But no, I just, and I was. Oh, you... I really would love to know why why you were not bent on learning? Well, I had... P- 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 that's what happened. I couldn't get the words out. Sometimes I knew all the answers. I p- p- couldn't get the words out. So what, that's what, the truth now. What, what age were you searching at? Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, I went over to Solis. Mm. I've gone older once, and I wasn't a, a little girl. Teenager. It was Norman Paley over in Solis oh. that got me out of this stuff. Now, no one can stop me from yapping. I mean, I'm cheering everyone, and... You know. You're listening to a special documentary about the Bird Lady of Bray, the true story of Auntie Ethel and her sister Maura. She was going to marry a man called Harry Heat. And Harry Heat was a painter. And he lived down on the seafront as well. And But the, the, the day of the wedding, there was supposed to be a car or a taxi was supposed to bring her from down on the bottom of the seafront, right up to the Queen of Priests Church, up at the top of the Putland Road. And she was waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And she was there in her wedding dress and nothing was happening. Now, one of the lads, there was the terminus of the bus. Now, I don't know if it was the 84 bus or whatever bus used to, used to go down to the end of the, uh, of, of the seafront. The 45. was it? 45. Yeah. And it, and they were Ethel was crying and the lads said, "What's wrong with you?" And she, they said, "Look, she, nobody's come up." She said, "Here," she said, "I tell you, what, you hop into the bus there." And Ethel says she went to the, to a wedding in a big double decker bus on her own with just a bus driver. And I think they used to have a conductor in those days. And she said they were the people who brought her to the church. And she says you'll always remember that she always thanks you for all the help that particular day, the best day of her life. 
I did look after an awful lot of children in Bray. Yeah. I feel in Pram and another little child was three, take yeah. them for walks and looked yeah. after them. Yeah. And I never slapped a child in my mm. life, mm. any child. Mm. I wouldn't mm. speak to them for a day or two. Mm. And they come along and say, I'm sorry, Auntie Ethel. Mm. And I even mm. see them now and they're married and their children, children mm. are married. And they still talk about me. Mm. And I'm still called Auntie Ethel. Yeah. Even though I made no children, wished I had. Where wished I had where, where made. Where does that expression come? Made children. The good mm. Lord sends children. You don't make them. Well, I don't know. I wish to God he'd given me one because I loved. Well, I did. I had a big family. <laughs> I looked after a lot of children yeah. in Bray. Yeah. If you, if you had married uh, earlier, Ethel, would you have liked to have children? Yeah. Oh, I would. Mm. I would. Yeah. Yes, I always did love children. But uh, I got married late. Yeah. I was going on my 50s, yeah. I think, when I took yeah. the plunge. Yeah. But yeah. you, where, where did you meet Harry? Um, um, I have known Harry for a while. And I used to go down to the Espanada. And he was, he was small. He had a big belly, no hair and no teeth. And he was gorgeous. Mm. Uh, Harry had a lovely voice too. But he was a gentleman, a lovely signwriter. Mm. He was able to do... Able to make anything with his hands. He was able to fix. Yes, he was super duper, super duper. He was really a lovely. He did all that painting down in Dawson's. No, the happy horse. He did. He made it all then. So, but how long were you married? How long were you married for? Oh my God! Well, I hadn't hardly that long. But he did tell me that he was dying. He told me, and he said he liked to be cremated, and it was Bill Walsh. Collect was three yeah, in the boat, yeah. and Hardy's ashes went out to sea. Yeah. And, she kept, and she kept saying, "Further out, further out, further out." I thought the ashes were going to come back in up on the shore. <laughs> you see, it's <laughs> 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 the right. <laughs> Do you think Ethel looked upon the people of East Coast as? the family that she never had. In fact, you know, some of the people around the town refer to her as Auntie Ethel. Indeed, Auntie Ethel is is a name that stuck uh, with Ethel. And yes, I think, you know, I mean, there's there's a very bright side to Ethel, but there's also shadow. And and I think that's part of it. I, I think somewhere along the line in life, Ethel got displaced somehow. And and I think she had a great grow for family. And I think she kept that alive for herself uh, by, by making East Coast her family uh, in a very real way, in a very practical way. And that's, that's the uniqueness, that's the beauty of all this, really. And then, of course, in, the, in, a, in a wider sense, more in terms of community, um, you know, characters embrace, uh, people have nicknames and people have, uh, call Ethel, Auntie Ethel, uh, for, forevermore. But characters are important to a place, aren't they? They kind of, they, you know, as much as the buildings in a place, people can see the characters. And I think so. I think the characters and how much they're loved or looked after or talked about tell a lot about a community, but they're very much at the heart of community. They need that comfort and that, if you like, that family closeness that a community gives them. But the community needs to look after them as well. And there's a need within us, I think, as social beings, to draw that community thing together. And for a town, and Bray particularly, I suppose, during Ethel's time, there's quite a number of characters. There's quite a few of them that we're knocking around. And 
everybody knew who they were, even if you didn't know their names. And I suppose it wasn't just looking after them, making sure they were OK, looking out for them. What does it say, you know, in terms of today's age more, in terms of like characters in real life? Well, I suppose there's a huge emphasis right now on in social media putting forward characters and you see if you're on Facebook for instance you'll see loads of different characters or different individuals that are coming across but that's not real that's not the actual person that personal touch that being with the human interacting and eyeball to eyeball and handshake to handshake or arm around the shoulder that's terribly important and I think we miss that in the social media society that we have and these real people are far more real than any of the ones that you'll ever see anywhere else. And they're the ones that make your life more coloured, more colourful, more meaningful. How many times did I ask you the other day, how's your liver? (laughs) How's your liver? How is it? Great. (laughs) Great, Great. Now that I've come home and I see the situation for what it is, uh, I take my advice and do it. Yes, I will. When I wash up the cups here, a few cups here, I usually take a nip. But I will cool it down, honest now. I will cool it down, honest. I really will now. She'll be glad to get rid of me. I've been preaching. <laughs> no more, you're super. I've yeah, been preaching. Absolutely super. Super. You like coming here, don't you? They have another job trying to get me out. I'm down here. I'm I'm down here before they can get up. Ah, <laughs> oh, no, I love it down here. Yeah. I do. They're they're very nice down here, Maura. I can and, see that. And I can see, see that at home in the in the flat. You're on your own. Mm. And I think I'll never get out of the road to come down here. Mm. And it's yeah. tricky. Yeah. Mm. And do you know what, Maura? They haven't thrown me out yet. Yoo-hoo. With Ethel, um, well, she knew we were moving. And, you know, as you're building out new studios and pe- people are aware that there's a date and, and we're going to be moving. I suppose, like, we had uh, we had probably kind of a dual view on it. One was, I wonder, will she come? We're worried if we if she doesn't. We're worried if she does. We just, we didn't really know how to, how to feel about it. Um, obviously, the radio station was staying in Bray. It was moving to, from the radio station's point of view, a much better facility. It was custom built. It's close to the N11. So, like, it, it ticked the boxes for, for lots of reasons. Um, uh, but it was just a little bit too far for Ethel, as, as it turned out. She she did kind of make the move with us, but I think the, the cycle was just a little bit too long for her and too far away from the other uh, attractions, I mean, where she lived and where else she was likely to be kind of, you know, hanging out, if that's the right way to put it. We got this lovely photograph framed yeah. um, in the newsroom, and it's just a, it's a very simple photograph of Ethel and uh, in a lovely red top and her traditional scarf wrapped around her neck. And a lot of the new people coming into news, um, they wait a little while and then eventually they they will ask you, who's the photograph of the old woman? And you go on to explain all about Auntie Ethel. And uh, they're genuinely fascinated that that this character existed. Um, And it's unfortunate she's not with us anymore, you know? Your colleague, one of your colleagues here. um, Rebecca. Rebecca. But have you ever heard of uh, Anthony Ethel? I hadn't heard of Anthony Ethel until one day I was sitting here and I said, who is this this woman? She's like our news guardian angel. She sits <laughs> up there on the on the windowsill. Yeah. Um, but sounds like a fascinating, fascinating individual altogether. I, there is a story. I'm not sure if you'll use it, but I will tell you it anyway. Um, she used to bring in the bread for the toast 
And as I said, nobody ever questioned where she got this stuff. Uh, until one day I said to her, you know, you shouldn't be bringing in this bread, Ethel. You know, people can bring in their own. And she goes, ah, no, 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 it's okay. And I said, well, you can't be affording that sort of stuff, you know, every day. And she goes, no, I get it out of the skip beside the bread shop up the road. And, you know, the bakery shop on the Quince Road, she was actually taking the bread that had been put into the skip. (laughs) (laughs) So we've only a few moments left now, Ethel, and... uh, Maura. Maura was saying that uh, she's going back now on Monday. Monday. And then uh, you, you, <coughs> said, you said you're going to uh, to behave yourself. Oh, yes. And that you're going to look after yourself. Yes. But she's coming, yeah, well, is coming down here and and I'm going with you Ethel, Ethel, to the airport. Ethel. Yes. You need to change. And I'm going I to will. ask you Pat. to continue harping on her on my behalf because we love her. Mm. And we don't want you to continue on this track for your own sake. Yes. <clears throat> well, I it's going to end. Yes. It's going to end badly. Yes. I'll. I'll. <clears throat> I'll come. Mm. I will. On it. Mm. <clears throat> but Pat, you have to look after me. I will. And the rest in there has to look after. We will. Me. But it has to be. It has to be. It has to be a pact between us. Yes. That we look after you. If you look after yourself. I will. I will. I will. Mm. It's not the way I want to go back and hope. Uh, uh, think about you continuing this way. I would love to. I would love to hear that you were doing things differently for your own sake. Yes, I will. I'll. I'll have. It. I'll cool it down. Okay. Give. Give. Give more a hug. Okay. <laughs> no more. No. Uh, you had to hear it, and that's it. No. No. Isn't she super? No. Super duper. Super duper. Um, my name's Roxanne and I'm an assistant section leader with the Civil Defence. We have uh, our larger rib that we're going to use because we have more crew on board tonight. Uh, and we'll take you all out in the water. So have you ever done anything like this before? No, never. It's the first. <laughs> we were like honoured to be asked, so it's nice to help out where we can. Okay. I'm Dave O'Neill, I'm, I'm, um, I'm a nephew of Ethel's, Ethel was my, my um, father's sister. My kind of grandfather at the time like, would have had the, the very last house before he got to Brayhead, you know, the very last house beside the wall, and that's where Ethel lived and father lived for a number of years, yeah. you know. And then she moved to Maitland Street after a while, and then eventually into the nursing home, you know, the yeah. last couple of years of her life, you know, so. Well, I tell you, that's where, I think when, when my father came out with Ethel in the boat, Many many years ago to, to put Harry to rest, you know, it was straight from the fishing the, the fishing club the fishing club in Bray, which is the Bray Head Fishing Club, you know, and that's straight across. I'd say, you know, it's literally just only in the middle. Yeah. So the story basically back then was uh, Ethel wanted a um, Harry Harry um, sent out to the sent out to sea to be buried, you know. So she had a father and, and another friend of my father's, I think it was uh, Noel Walsh, and they were in their own boat at the time, you know. So they came out a half mile in their own boat. And uh, father says, that's enough Ethel now, you know, because that'll do, you know. And Ethel said, I know, another bit, like, you know, she's actually going back to shore, like, you know. <laughs> so he went there another, another half a mile, so they were a mile, they were rowing there, you know. And uh, it was a windy day, so Ethel decided to open the urn, and, of course, before the lads even knew about it, the ashes were flying in their faces. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we could have asked for a better night. We could have asked for a better night, you know, yeah. So, yeah, she, she was 85, so she born in 1930. More was over, he said, 15 years ago from my father's funeral. 
Yeah, Moore's the only one left in America, you know. Pass you around a picture there, that's that's the Antetl, you know, you probably it's a famous picture that was um um doing the doing the rounds uh, at the time. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so I think I'll I'll do the do the deeds now. I think the we'll um disperse the ashes over like you know. There's a few flowers to go over afterwards, you know. So again, I'd like to thank uh, Civil Defence for yeah. <laughs> accommodating me on this, you know. It's no problem at all. That's great to know, yeah. The wind's blowing in the right direction, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've taken a bit of it out to retain for, for, for more, actually, so this is, you know, the, the remains. So it'll um, rest in peace. Hope you join Harry. As I said, uh, yeah, um, it was our final wish to be laid to rest with Hardy in the sea, so... May <coughs> uh, she rest in peace and, 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 and uh, join Hardy now, um, up above. The Bird Lady of Bray, the true story of Auntie Ethel and her sister Maura, was produced by Pat Hannan. It was a 21st century Vox production for East Coast FM. Ethel Heath died on the 30th of June 2015 at the Black Rock Hospice. Her ashes were scattered at sea to join her beloved Harry's just off the cliff walk on a beautiful August night. Maura didn't make it home for Ethel's funeral but is alive and well and living in Pasadena, California, along with some ashes of her sister Ethel. A framed photo of Auntie Ethel holds pride of place overlooking the newsroom in East Coast FM. Ethel's antics and stories continue to be shared and every Christmas the presenters and staff raise a glass to her memory. <laughs>